Welcome, disc golfers, to the Hitting the Line podcast. I am your host, Jad, and as per usual, I am joined by my brother, Nasdog. Nas, how you doing, Brody? What's up, Jad? Uh, I am enjoying kind of uh, the post-tournament bliss you sometimes feel um, after our tournament this past weekend, but not as much as you. You're uh, blissful after your performance. Yeah, there's some good there's there's some good things that happen. You know, the score was not uh, the best part of that day, but I had some highlights, so I'm pretty happy, excited to be throwing discs. Um, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that. Dope. Uh, like yeah, you're good. Welcome to uh, what is it? We were season two, episode three. Three, yes, sir. I didn't realize our last episode was the second episode of the second season, which we released on two twenty two twenty. Did we? Yeah. <laughs> what? I didn't even realize that. Yeah, I realized that at, like when we like post, I was like, oh yeah, season two, episode season two, two, two episode two. Fuck. We made it happen. Um, yeah, but we couldn't make any of this happen, of course, without our sponsors. I want to give them a quick shout out. Uh, Prize Picks. If you have never been to Prize Picks, please go to PrizePicks.com or app.PrizePicks.com. Uh, they are the one and only place that we know of that are offering um, some action on disc golf. So if you like to have a good time and maybe uh, spend a little money doing some gaming, go to prizepicks.com and you can use the promo code HTL for hitting the line. That's HTL. And they will match you up to $100 on your first deposit. Uh, So please go ahead and check them out. Use promo code HTL and you can play with us this week. Also, I would like to shout out um, a couple of our new sponsors. We have Till Death Disc Club. You can see I've got my hat on right here for all those who might be watching. Uh, Till Death Disc Club. They're someone who uh, I think they just started this past year, and they are a disc golf brand focused on providing stylish gear like this for on and off the course. Till Death represents the appreciation and love that all disc golfers have for our sport. Their motto, Disc Golf for Life Till Death. I love that model. That's a cool one. Uh, and our other sponsors, you can see by this fly piece of gear I got on here, my hoodie, uh, is Dark Ace Apparel. Established in 2020 uh, from St. Louis, Missouri. We have Dark Ace Apparel with their motto, play disc golf, listen to metal. And what they do is merge two of my favorite worlds, uh, metal and disc golf, in a way that resonates with those like myself, like George, uh, who love to headbang as much as we love to chain bang. Welcome to the dark side of disc golf. So thank you to our sponsors. All right. Thank you for that, Nas. Uh, Yeah, so we are in Texas for the Waco Annual Charity Open. Um, It was presented by Prodigy Disc last year. I'm not sure if it is this year. Um, But yeah, the cool thing about Waco is it's a course that we're all familiar with. Um, It's nicknamed the Beast. Nas, do you know the real name of it off the top of your head? Brazos Brazos East. Yeah, I think is the name of the course. Yeah. Uh, so we kind of have a what I would feel like is a slight edge or maybe a spark of confidence going into this tournament as far as our um, prize pick selections goes, which we'll get into because for once it's just one course. And so we don't yeah. have to study a lot. And it's one course that didn't make any changes this year at all. There's zero changes this year to the course. So yeah. it's something, it's something really that we could literally... Yeah, yeah, it usually never happens, especially 
with players getting so much better, the courses are looking to change and be more dynamic uh, to make them tougher or whatever it may be. Uh, so it is cool that you can, you know, look at years past and just ride your narrative into the round on Friday of who you like and who you don't like, whether you're looking at past results or maybe you're thinking, well, who's hot right now uh, type of thing. So I think that's fun and unique um, to the tournament this week. Uh, before we get into prize picks, Nas, do you have any uh, people you like, any predictions this week as far as the players goes? Just your current like DGPT thoughts going into Waco this week. Uh, yeah, I think this being Paul's first tournament back in a tournament that Paul historically does well at, I think we can expect a top five finish from Paul. Besides um, Memorial, of course. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's not, you know, that's not one of the the elite events, but right. I think we're going to see Paul do really, really well. That's my, I guess, my one quote lock. I agree. Um, just like tournament play, I think we're going to see him do well. I think we're going to see Rick do better than people think and better than he has done there historically. And I think... We'll probably see a name or two that we wouldn't expect to see because of the type of course that this is. I think that like last year was Gavin popped off. That was one of the first tournaments Gannon well, popped Nico off won, at. Which kind of and Nico won, which some people would Gannon. say is a surprise. So this is the type of tournament where I think we're going to see a couple familiar names at the top, but I think it's uh, a, a time where we might see someone new or someone make a big move either early or maybe a little later to make a run. So yeah, I think it's going to be a I, lot of fun. I couldn't agree more. This course is been showing us that uh, Colton won the year before uh, Kona yeah. won last year. Um, yeah. You mentioned Gavin, etc. I agree. I, I think I just have Paul Macbeth winning this week. I don't like to make predictions on who's going to win what tournament, but if you, if you put a gun to my head, I, I have to take Paul Macbeth after the, the 10 nineties and he is Paul Macbeth. And it's yeah. funny you, you mentioned Ricky, like you think he's going to do better than, people would think he took like seventh last week and we're like, this was a down week for Ricky. Why is his putting stance changed? This and that he like has a bad week and casually takes seventh. I think is really telling of um, what we expect out of him and where his game's at. So yeah. Um, I, yes, I think Ricky, Ricky's going to do okay. You know, we, we hear that this course is a forehand players type of course, or if you're a lefty and like we said, historically Rick has kind of underperformed versus his rating here. But, uh, you know, I think this could easily be the week that that turns around. So cool. I couldn't agree more. And so, I mean, we are here um, for prize picks. So let's get into what we got, what the lines look like and how we feel about it and maybe discuss some data that we have and uh, relate that to our prize pick selections. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about how we did last week. Uh, We had mentioned to our listeners we wanted to trying to do like a bankroll challenge this this year be a little bit more official about it and so you've got some data that you're tracking and i've been tracking mine as well yep. uh, i started off the year with 100 deposited and last week was our first week or our first i guess our first episode i should it was say two it was our ago, first but yeah it's two weeks ago now uh and i did okay i'm up uh 19 so if you can do math that means i have 119 dollars now and we talked about our picks the first day, and then we tweeted and did a Twitter spaces about our picks the next three rounds. And so through all four of those rounds, yeah, I'm up $19 with a couple of uh, bad beats, I want to call them. Uh, you know, in gambling, we'll have those. I had a couple entries that I thought were really, really good, but I just would miss that one on the flex or the one on the uh, power play to really miss it. Um, One of them was Brody. I had Brody in a lot of my lines and it seemed like every time I took him, 
on the over, he went under. And when I turned around and them taking on the under, he went way over. So he burnt me a couple of times. Uh, that would have, you know, had me going a lot higher than I did. I still did good on the week, but then I had Garrett Gerthy shoot a 55 when I took him on the under 54 and a half. That was a bummer. Um, but overall, 20%, like we were saying before, if you have that invested in stocks and you can make 20% a week, you're crushing. So, massive. Uh, massive. Yeah, you're massively crushing. What are you sitting at? What What did you start off with? Is there anybody that gave you a little bit of a bad beat? Sure. I uh, started off with 158. After round one, we moved up to 178. After round two, I went absolutely nuclear and could have swept. I went all from 178 to 338, so doubled. Um, overextended myself in round three, took some bad beats down to 215, and now we're sitting at 197. The final round, I tweeted out my, my picks. We went, I believe it was four for five out of all of them. And of course, the one person that we didn't get, which was uh, Kristen Tatar's under, I would call that a severe bad beat. Like six women hit hit her total, and she wasn't one of them, which you would expect her to, to be scoring in the top six out of the women's field. So otherwise, we would have went five for five on the final day and crushed. But we were um, – I was over uh, – what do I want to say? I had too much Kristen Tatar, so I actually somehow okay. ended up losing 10 bucks despite hitting four out of the five players, which is something to mention um, that shows that this really is a losing game uh, by nature of it because you have to parlay. So yeah. a lot of the times you might be able to get all the selections right, but you got to do them in the right way. You got to really mix up people and not not have too much exposure to one player. Um, so yeah, I'm sitting at 197 and we have a 20 about a 26% gain. Like you said, uh, put that in stocks. And if you get gain 26% over every DGPT event, you will be crushing by the end of the year. So we just hope to uh, keep riding something similar to that. I'm hoping for another 20%, man. If, man, if I don't lose, that's dope. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's get into it. We've got the board. Yeah. The board was up kind of early today, earlier than usual. And we could record a little bit earlier. And I'm my first thought when I look at these lines is, uh, well, first of all, there's no longer, you have to go one over and one under, you can now choose all overs or all unders, whatever you want to do there. You can choose overs and unders. Um, so par here on this course is 63 and we know it's a tougher course. So when I look out and I see 59s, I see some players with 61, a 60. Uh, there are definitely some unders that I think jump out to me. I'm really not seeing a ton of overs that you like. Because when you look at someone and you think over, you're thinking like they're way un- or uh, overvalued, right? Or that like, or yeah, that prize picks is thinking that they're going to slay some course. And you're like, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. And our strategy for that in the past has been to take the lowest score. For example, this would be Paul Macbeth this this week at 56 and a half and choose the over. I don't feel comfortable doing that. I think a, six, uh, a 57 for him is pretty, you know, that could be likely. But uh, I'm really thinking a lot of unders this week. What are you thinking when you first take a look at this board? I, first of all, I agree hundred percent. I think you could consider under on a majority of the players on the board. Um, I just want to start off by saying we think it, just looking at last year's results about a 62, a one down is going to be about a thousand rated. A 60 is going to be about a 1020 ish. A 58 is going to be a 1030 ish. And a 56 is going to be about 1047, 1050. So yeah. I did compile some people I thought were must plays some maybes and i really think you consider maybe on a lot of them and again i have all unders 
Price picks does allow us to choose all unders. They did nerf our um, payouts are nerfed to, a little bit. Right? Yeah, payouts are nerfed a little bit because we can't choose all that. But hey, they actually added a 12x. We've never had that before. There's there we used to only go the 10x, but now if you mix it two and three, if you have like let's say three unders, two overs, and they all hit, that's a 12x. So that's interesting. You can mess with that if you want. But let's get into it. Um, I must plays. I have Cat at a 67. She's my favorite. Yeah, they've got her at shooting even. Yeah, 67 even par. It was about, uh, I believe, in the 950s or 960s for women. The reason why I'm really taking this is because if you're going to choose any of the women, they're projecting Kat to do the worst between Paige Pierce, Evelina, etc. And to me, it looks like they're just looking at the scores from last year to, to base that decision off of when I really have no reason to believe that Kat... I, I have no reason to believe that Kat's not the fairway goddess and that she's not yeah. the most consistent women's player because she just flat out is. We've witnessed it time and time again. The only yeah. thing that may have me nervous is that like a lot of her signature discs, a lot of discs she likes are a little flippy and it yep. is going to be, it is going to be pretty windy. Um, we're looking at about 20 miles per hour on Friday from what I'm just seeing um, online, but it was Las Vegas. She was throwing them. It seemed to be fine. She's she was fine in the wind there. Yeah. She, she's a professional. So, so wind is something to consider for this course all the time. We're looking about at about 20 miles per hour, but these guys are professionals and round one last year, we did have plenty of wind. So you, you have something to base that decision off of. So I got cat right away as a standout must play for me. Do you have any must plays or people you really like? Uh, I think cat for sure too. That was the first one when we kind of met before we started. Uh, she's the first one that hopped out to me because when I look at last year's scores, uh, Kona, one with the 16 down and the next closest person was owned Scoggins with uh negative four. So either Kona, I mean, Kona played out of her mind. She shot a 10 4 a 10, 10 and a nine seventy six, all way above her rating at the time, which was nine twenty seven. She played completely out of her mind, but I look at a score like a 63 and cat shot a 69, her, fi- her final round last, last year. And that was her worst round was a 69, nine twenty eight. I mean, that's a round that like I would shoot out there. And be stoked on. So I know Kat is going to be looking at something probably more like, I don't know, I think she can shoot a 65 or a 66 out there um, pretty easily. And so I think it's not that I want to say that Kona's win was a fluke because I don't think it was a fluke because I think Kona has all the tools, but she just put it together in such a way that we see it can be done. And basically, I think Kat is just overall a better golfer than Kona. And I think if Kona can do it, I think Kat can do it too. And Kat, just because she didn't necessarily do it. Cat's line is sitting at a 67, which was below her rating. So I think if she just shoots her rating, which is no reason why I don't believe that she won't, uh, she's yeah. going to hit that under. Yeah. And then so you mentioned your favorite, and I, I agree with him, Brody Smith. Tell me about Brody. Yeah, well, Brody, we had here Brody at, I believe, a 60. 61 is, is his line. A 61 is, is, is his line, and that's a two down. And I think and so last a 60. Year, go ahead. 60, I was about to say, because last year, I think Brody's worst round uh, was, let me pull it up here. Put it this way. If he hits his under, he only has to shoot a 10-20 that is above his rating. But Brody has been shooting well above his rating uh, in the past year. So Yeah, last last year, his worst round was a 62. He shot a 60, a 62, and a 60. And I think Brody is at least a stroke or two better golfer than he was last year. And all we need is the 60. would tell you is about three. So I'd say he's about three strokes better than it was last year. I would not be surprised to see him shoot like a 57 or a 58, a 59 yeah. and another 57. I agree a thousand percent. 
Yeah, so I think Brody and Cat. I mean, I'll probably make a power. I'll Obvious probably make a power unders. play of of that tonight. You know, before I make a flex, I'll probably just put both of them on an under, and uh, try there to get go. get my cash there because I think that's easy. Get that three easy money there. Nice. Um, I I wanted a third must play. I uh, not nearly as convincing as the Cat or Brody. Um, I went with Kevin Jones at fifty eight and a half. So Tell me your thinking behind Kevin Jones. My thinking behind that is a he's coming off um, a pretty hot tournament at LVC. He played pretty well, and then just two, he has the worst projected score out of anybody on the board. That is what we'd call elite talent. Him and Hamas are both at fifty-eight and a half. Yeah. Um, well, like for example, Kyle Klein is a fifty-eight. Um, we know that half stroke, that half a stroke, could be a big deal. Chris Dickerson's fifty-eight. Um, I just think you're not going to find somebody with his talent at project he's you get what i'm saying i like i like kevin jones i might be a kevin jones uh bandwagon guy um i i'm not as convinced as the cat and brody line but i got kevin jones if since i decided i wanted a third must play that uh that's gonna be my guy yeah he's a great forehand player we mentioned again forehand's important on this course speaking of great forehand players take me into who you convinced me on right away oh uh, yeah right, right before we right before we uh went my out. other kind of lock uh, someone who I definitely thought, well, I, and I think I maybe have more faith in this person than I should. Uh, but that's going to be Yuli. They got Yuli at a 60, which is a, a once, once again, a three down last year, Yuli, uh, I think shot right around that or even better. Let me double check here again. I believe um, he beat Paul this Uliberry, line twice. You just mentioned yeah, it to me. Yeah. He shot a 61, a 57 and a 55. So he beat yeah. that line twice convincingly. And I think a 57 or a 55 is what we should expect out of Yuli on a course like this. It's a course where he's not going to get pounded by distance. He can throw a forehand. He's accurate in the woods. And he's not someone like how you said, who's not going to shoot himself out of the tournament round one, going OB, trying all these distance shots, doing crazy things. He's going to play smart. He's going to take his pars. You know, I think he's someone who, who can scramble well. He's going to take his pars when he can. He's going to stay in bounce, get the easy birdies when when they happen. And I think a 60 is a, you know, that's a reasonable place for him to be at where an under is not unlikely at all. So Yuli, I think, is my kind of my third. So I like Cat, Bro, Cat Brody, and Yuli on the unders. And uh, yeah, that's kind of where I would start building this week. Yes, sir. Um, so those are our must plays. Uh, I definitely think I like Yuli a little bit more than Kevin Jones. So maybe maybe throw Kevin Jones in the maybe category if you want. You had a few and maybes though, right? I do have a handful of maybes, but again, I think I think a majority of the board is a maybe. I have Kyle Klein, maybe 58 and under and a half. Adam Hammis, Ezra. Ezra, they have him only at a 59. So if he hits his under, that's a 58. It's only a 1030 rated round. Ezra typically hits 1030. So um, oh, and I also just love the fact that with Ezra's line, you can push. If 59 is only 1020 ish, 1025 ish. So you can push with Ezra's line. So I like that one on the under. I think majority of the board is under. It's going to be up to you again to, I think this is the tournament where you, you ride that narrative. If you think somebody's playing hot, you pick them. If you think uh, Heinberg's putt is back, you, you pick him because he can shoot that 1050 round that you want. Right. Um, and I think with Ezra too, I'm looking at his scores last year, 58, 58, 61. And the 61 was more of the anomaly. It's only there you go. So he beat it twice. And and when we look at these, these lines, majority of these players did beat their unders at least one or two times uh, last yeah. year. 
So just yeah, lean, yeah, yeah. lean on the unders, pick who you like, which, which brings me to my next point. I think because there is more variance on this course, whereas last, last week, um, we, we, we talked to our good friends over at Statmando and they gave us um, some data to look at and for us to interpret. And we said, Oh, okay, well these, this makes sense because Las Vegas is a bomber course and these people have to be putting and that's kind of who it showed would do well. And, and we've seen that in our picks and it worked, but this week, I think because there is so much variance on the course, I'm kind of trying to fade the noise this week. And I do want to ride my narratives and who I think is going to do well. So when I mean, kind I'm of going go, to fade the go noise, uh, with, with your gut a little bit more on people. Yeah. Yeah. For example, um Kevin Jones he's he's played this event four times and uh what we're seeing is he's averaged about a 1015 at this at this course I don't necessarily Ooh. think Kevin Jones is is into shooting 1015s anymore I'm, of course he could I mean we'll we'll see that this year we'll see Kevin Jones shoot 1015 but I'm just I'm not gonna gonna he's just got too much talent for me to want to buy into that and I I think that this is one of the times like where you want to really believe in yourself and who you think are the best players and who can beat those rounds. Yeah. And this is sometimes where maybe playing chalk is the smart thing. Like, yeah, take that Ricky under, he's got a forehand and can scramble. It makes sense that yeah. he's going to go out there and get a bunch of birdies and hopefully avoid a bunch of pars um, or sorry, a bunch of bogeys. Um, you know, like I said, Paul taking off and winning this thing. We're all, you know, people are all saying Paul is going to win it. Then, well, why wouldn't you take some unders then? Why wouldn't you take, you know, we think it's going to take a 22, a 23, or a 24 to win this thing. That's going to be three seven downs or three eight downs on average. So if that's what you're looking at, Paul's not, uh, line, and you think that he's going to win, choose the Paul under. There's nothing wrong wrong with that either. So agree 100%. Um, it's the reason why I'm taking Katrina Allen, despite her um, over the past five events, averaging only 950 at Waco. So give me the 960 in the under. Right. So – let me go ahead. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make some of these live now, uh, just so people know it's real. I'm not just here telling you to make picks. I'm gonna make it myself. Dope. Do do do. Um, well, while you do that, uh, what else we got? Just something interesting from the disc golf world that happened this week. Uh, maybe spark some debate. Let us know in the comments uh, what you may think about it. Innova re-release. I mean, they've been doing it since the FD. In the PD with the Phantom Sword and the Dark Rebel. Uh, but everybody was like, you really just released a mid-range called the Mid-Disc 3 and, call it, and, <laughs> and called it the Metal Warrior instead of instead the Iron, Iron Samurai. Samurai. Dude, um, so what do you think about that, Nas, while you make those picks? Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, a couple of things I think about it. I think both both ways on it. Um, I think that you know those discs were made by Innova before. They were their molds. Innova's they literally owned the that. patent. Yeah. Yeah. They, they are allowed to do that. They are allowed. I think, but so, and I think it's great for players who want their hands on those discs. Disc mania is kind of infamous for these like limited runs and then they're impossible to get, or you got to pay 80 bucks for, you know, Literally. some, some disc. So I think it's awesome that Innova is making them available. You want an MD three. Great. You want an FD go out and get the dark rebel, go out and get the phantom sword, the PD um, they're available, which is awesome. But man, I think it is so corny. I think the names are terrible. I think like Innova just has their uh, priorities messed up. It's like, I, man, if I was Innova, I, I would get rid of eighty percent of the molds that they have. Just get rid of them. What's what's Stick curious? To good stuff. Make good stuff available. What's curious is I so corny. See, and I don't want to. I don't want to talk down on when I could be wrong. I think Kona's dad is like head of marketing he is. or something. Yeah. And, Innova is notorious for having the worst marketing skills. And it's literally as if some 
stupid 18 year old was like mid disc three <laughs> i don't yeah. know let's just call it right, what's metal uh warrior. what's They're opposite of the iron samurai metal, metal warrior. warrior it's like it's just so corny that it's bad i think it's a bad look for the company and just makes them look old and out of touch and like unreasonable it's like yeah i, I, I feel both everything ways. you had to say i've ordered all three of the discs i literally this weekend as you know i just sold three used ass pds for a hundred bucks on facebook and then you can buy two you could buy i don't know how many phantom swords that but uh, i have two phantom swords i just bought their mid disc three and uh yeah it'll be cool because I've, I've never thrown an md3 everybody swears by it but you can't get one unless you pay 80 bucks on a facebook group for an iron samurai or whatever eagle's yeah. claw is called or i don't know what yeah, they're yeah, fucking yeah. called but yeah so i mean i'm hyped to try my md3 when it gets in don't here be wrong i do uh, want to i just added two italian fd those italian do look so that. crispy they do look so crispy but how are you so... gonna get one well oh, somebody on twitter i seen is gonna be releasing them like next week so you better find that on your timeline somewhere. There's somewhere, someone that I follow on Twitter. I'll forward it to you if I see it. They're releasing them this week. Um, so maybe cool. you can get yourself on one of those. That's like one of the few discs I like kind of nerd. Over. I, don't, I don't even throw it that often, but it's just a great disc. Yeah. I mean, right now I'm throwing Leopard 3 instead. The main difference is that the Leopard 3 is going to turn a little bit harder than I would like. Whereas the FD3, or is it the FD kind of just holds it rather yeah. than rather than turns i've got um, uh four pre-new disc mania but FDs but i threw are. my leopard three pretty darn well in the woods uphill nose up in the second round of our tournament that we play this weekend nas how did the tournament go for you and tell me because you said you had some positive takeaways it's always good you have yeah. to leave a tournament anybody out there who doesn't play tournaments that often when you play you have to have positive takeaways from tournaments otherwise they can just like eat your soul and you'll they can walk away down. feeling like shit yeah because it's so often when we go to play a course uh it's easy to forget about that terrible shot throw another one and in your mind you just took a birdie and but in the tournament when every shot counts that time you hit off a tree and go in the water turns into a six instead of a three. And that kind of can ruin your round if you don't take away the good stuff. So bad news is I did lose to you in total by two strokes. Let's go. Uh, I was ahead the first round. I, I shot a two over the first round with way too many bogeys, but my putting felt relatively on that first, first round. I've kind of changed my grip a little bit where I bring my thumb out towards the edge just a little bit. And it's been helping with the cleaner release. Uh, so putting felt good. And I was lacing my comet and my mids through the woods. This is a very wooded course for those listening that maybe don't know Lake Selmac in Southern Oregon, really wooded. And uh, I was throwing my comet great on a couple of those like tight wooded 250 straight ahead holes with woods on both sides and trees. I was just lacing my comet, um, had some decent kind of scramble opportunities that I didn't ruin. And for me, that's that's good. So, yeah, I, I took away my ability to throw mids in the woods got some confidence back in my putter uh but you know just hit a few too many trees messed up a couple too many approach shots that went for bogey instead of pars uh and then i lost to you which is the ultimate insult so that's right uh, and i know you're ready to go you want to talk about you've been waiting for this go ahead Dude, tell us about I, your weekend I've, go ahead you've i've got been it memorized i've been riding my high since i walked off the course round two 
so yeah you said you shot a, a plus two on round two plus plus two which is like what four. maybe like a 930 or something the plus two yeah it was like nine yeah like 920 so, so pretty tough I course i shot a plus eight round one dead fucking last i was in yeah, dead you were, ass you were last DFL out of, after out of 20 one. people out of 20 people after round one 20 a.m's uh, like us everything felt foreign i didn't feel nervous maybe it's nerves if there's a difference between nervous and nerves but everything just felt really foreign to me um but i improved my score by 10 strokes 12 oh, strokes 12 12 strokes i improved my score by 12 strokes went out and shot the second hottest round of the day uh shot a five down four down which is hilarious because that was my exact story i told the last time the first round i yeah, went out if you listen to the like last down, i shot 12 strokes difference in, in, in between my two rounds and you went out and did the exact same thing so i go out and shoot almost a 970 round two woulda coulda shoulda got my 970 i had an 18 footer spit out um and i hit majority of the chains but i did hit left side uh to be fair Hit a majority of the change. It spun out. Um, one time I parked a hole, but I had no look because it was wooded. So I literally had no look. It was whole um, one nas across the street. Just yeah, judge all the way through. But I was on the left side of the basket. No, nothing there. So yeah, it felt like I would have could have shit around. It felt really casual. Felt like I wasn't even really trying that hard. So it was nice. I literally, after the first 13 holes, had all threes. All threes. And so really what saved my round was just I made every lack of bogeys. Yeah, I went. In, I went into the tournament thinking that putting was gonna be my worst part, uh, but I just really locked in focus. Um, putting was amazing, and scrambling was by far the best part of my game. Just forehands. My forehand is at an all-time high right now, so I'm just loving it. Um, zones through the woods, Firebird through the wood, PD through the wood, off forehand scrambling. I'm like 200 plus feet away. There's no lines, and I'm shaping forehand S curves and landing within the circle and making my putt. So it just felt really good to be like, like one time I literally looked at my card. I, if I throw this ridiculous thumber, even though there was, I was pinned against a tree and then I make my like 30 footer. I go, no bogeys. And I flex on them. And then the very next hole, I took a bogey. <laughs> my first, my first and only bogey of round two. Uh, that was one of my, like, that was one of my positives too, is that uh, I don't throw a ton of forehands when I'm playing a casual round. But in the woods, sometimes you have to. And I found that in the in, in the times I reached for my forehand, like hole two, uh, I parked it or I got within thir uh, 30 feet or 25 feet, both both rounds on hole through to that nice. gap. Hole, whatever it was, 10 or 11, where there's that side, you can go straight up the hill and like it's a super hyzer or you can yep. throw this little like weird backdoor forehand. My forehand was there when I needed it, which was surprising. So that was the other quick, kind of quick. upside, like, okay. Quick tip for anybody listening who doesn't play in the woods that often or when you do is forehand, I think, in my opinion, is generally going to give you an advantage because you can see your target. It's much easier to shape a line when you can see your target than backhand. I mean, because backhand 300 feet wide open is one thing because you have all the options. It doesn't matter how you get there as long as you get there. Whereas forehand, it's like, OK, I got to pass this tree and then fade around this one. It's much easier to line that up in your head when you can actually see it all. So in my opinion, forehand is a big advantage in the woods. And that's and I think also it why why this course at Waco is probably going to be playing forehand dominant. Yeah. I think we have to look at those players this, this week who you think can scramble and forehand. And so when you hear those words, oftentimes you think Rick. So I, th I think Rick, like, like, like we said before, his historically has not played great at this course, but this could be a week to maybe look at an under. So uh, yeah, I, th I think that when you're in the woods playing, it also takes just less body movement to throw a forehand. And if mm -hmm. there are lots of things around you and you need to be really precise, a forehand can get you close enough. So 
yeah, so it didn't play great this past week weekend, but I thought it was still fun. It was nice to get back out to Selmac that of course I've I've played worse at before too. So to shoot a two and a four wasn't terrible. Um, got to limit the bogeys as always. And you know, the second round is where I had putts that I thought should have gone in the last three holes. I gave up myself three strokes, you know, on 18, 19, 20, I should have had three easiest holes on the course took, took pars. Um, and then I missed a, missed a birdie put on hole one. I threw a forehand straight at it, got within 25 feet and missed it. So you know, there was a little bit of that towards towards the end when my putt was falling off a little bit, but for the most part, during in the week it was or the weekend it was it was there. So, yes, sir. I'm hoping to uh, at least play one more tournament soon. soon. But I think that's about it. Yeah, Unless I think that anything? wraps it up for us. Uh, one one more time, shout out to our sponsors, Prize Picks. Use the promo code HTL. Till Death Disc Club right here. Come go and check them out on Instagram, Twitter, and of course, Dark Ace Apparel. Give them a follow on any of your social medias and you can look as dope and fly as I do in all this gear. So holler at them. Thank you to our sponsors. And I think we'll see everyone next time. Uh, And maybe you know what? Uh, Make sure to listen out for uh, Twitter spaces. We'll be discussing round one and maybe what our thoughts are for round two. But we can't do a podcast for every round. So see us there. Peace.